somebody in their workplace or at their street corner, anything, you can get one. Uh, what, where Miss Lynn there? Oh, she on the other side. Okay, all right, then we'll get it. I have them right here, and you can pick them. There will be no service tonight either. No service tonight. Uh, we thank God for you tonight. Blessed us and um, keeping us strengthened. And at this time, it's just seven after one, so that we're in good standing on communion day. Let us stand. Thank the choir today. Y'all, y'all, you know, y'all did a pretty good job today. <laughs> Look. Father God Almighty, we thank you, Lord, for this day, for this hour. We ask you to God to please be with us, keep us in strength, and preserve us according to your will and your righteousness. Preserve us, Lord, as we leave this place. Have traveling grace in your hand, Father. Deliver us where we need to be even this day, this hour. And Lord, whatever it takes to fulfill your joy within us, we claim it right now in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. All right, my brother. God bless you. We hope that this message has encouraged your heart. We invite you to come worship with us at our Sunday school service beginning at 9 a.m. Our morning worship service at 11 a.m. Bible study every Wednesday night from 7 to 8. If you would like to correspond with this ministry, you can write us at 2627 Willow Glen Road, Alexandria, Louisiana. Again, thank you, and may God bless you. It's K-A-Y-T, Gina Alexandria. The gospel is on the radio at 88.1. Call up somebody. Tell them it's going to be all right. K-A-Y-T. Got the gospel transmitting. All day. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here today to call on the highest power of the universe to bring peace and prosperity upon his people. The God that we serve is a deliverer and a strong tower. 
He is a God of stability, a God of substance, a God of authority, and a God who can solve all of our issues. So today, establish your people with deliverance. Deliverance from the unemployment line. Deliverance from food stamps and welfare. Deliverance from the inner city housing and project living. Deliverance from drug addiction. Deliverance from social injustice. Deliverance from drive-by shootings. Deliverance from illiteracy and homelessness. Deliverance from racism and bigotry. Deliverance from hatred and violence. Deliverance from the doom of demonism. Deliverance from sin and seduction. Deliverance from helplessness and despair. Authenticate us with the principles of your power so that we can dwell in your power today. excited to introduce to you Deliverance Today Ministries. Our world is full of trouble and we have reached a point where it is time to bring to the people of God the truth of God. We are headquartered in Shreveport, Louisiana and are connected to churches worldwide. Each week we desire to come into your life with a message of deliverance that will prepare you for heaven. We invite you to join our prayer line and zoom into a closer walk with God every morning from 6 to 7 a.m. Central Standard Time. We have health professionals, spiritual counselors, and Christian aid workers in Louisiana and Texas, and we'll also extend our resources to help you with social, spiritual, financial, and mental needs wherever you are. Now, just prior to the message, Pastor Kirby John Caldwell and the Windsor Village UMC Mass Choir would deliver that rendition, Deliverance is Available to You. It is that we are 
Today we begin a four-part series on Black Lives Matter, the misunderstanding of creation. The Bible says, as our text, Genesis chapter 10 and verse 1, Now these are the generations of the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and unto them were sons born after the flood. I would speak to you today about differences. A minister, a priest, and a rabbi went for a hike one day. It was very hot. They were sweating and exhausted. When they came upon a small lake, since it was fairly secluded, they took off all their clothes and jumped in the water. Feeling refreshed, the trio decided to pick a few berries while enjoying their freedom. As they were crossing an open area, who should come along but a group of ladies from town? Unable to get to their clothes in time, the minister and the priest covered themselves and the rabbi covered his face while they ran for cover. After the ladies had left and the men got their clothes back on, the minister and the priest asked the rabbi why he covered his face rather than himself. The rabbi replied, I don't know about you, but in my congregation, it's my face they would recognize. My brothers and sisters today, sincerely, there are differences in the way that we approach every situation. So as we approach our message in our text today, we have differences in our biblical ideology as to the beginning of man. Here in America, Black children grow up seeing pictures of a white Adam in the Garden of Eden, with a white God visiting him every evening in the garden to refresh the issues of the day. And for years, that was fine to our ancestors, until one day we were sent off to school and we were made to visit science. Now that we are told everywhere that science is to be the determining factor because if science is wrong, then the facts cannot be right. So you see, as we look at science in view of the Bible, we develop a, a different picture. For those of us who accept the biblical account, it is clear that the creator knelt down between the Tigris and the Euphrates River and in the cradle of the Garden of Eden on the sixth day, he scooped up some soil from the riverbed, as the Bible calls it clay. And it was from this lump that God fashioned a creature that we now know as man. Now, I have been to many countries, but to see this clearly, we don't have to leave America. The Bible tells me that in the creation of this world, God used the best of the best in his creation. After every act of creation, God said it was good. It was the best soil under the best condition, with the best substance and the best environment that God created man. I live in the desert in Albuquerque, and I have seen soil that is so parched and dry that it grows nothing. This soil is almost white, having no nutrients and very little substance. 
Almost nothing grows in this soil. When it does, it is parched and puny in comparison. I have also lived in Alabama, where after years of growing cotton, the soil has been stripped of its nutrients and the soil is red. However, because of the seasonal rains, there is some growth as well as vegetation, but the product of the soil is not supreme. Also, the product is not conducive to grow everything because the soil is not suited to produce the best of the best. However, after living in the Midwest and in South Florida and having lived in Ohio and driven through the states of Illinois, Iowa, and Nebraska, science tells me that the best soil is that rich black dirt. It is full of nutrients. It is rich in vitality. Black dirt grows almost everything and is suitable for almost anything. Now those theologians who say that they believe in the Bible take issue with a black Adam, but science and the Bible are on the same page. The blacker the berry, the sweeter the juice. Even if we reject the thought of a black Adam, we must know that for 2,000 years, mankind existed as one family. There was no white or black or Asian issues. Noah and his wife did not have a black baby and a white baby and an Asian baby. This was one family. At this time in history, the world was of one people, one nationality, one culture. This series is designed to settle the issues of division among us. Those of us who declare ourselves a part of the family of God as we face differences in the economic world. For there are wealthy, the middle class, and the poor. There are differences in the political world. There are independent, de Democrats, Republicans, and indifferent those who no longer care. There are differences in the sexual world, for we were created male and female. There are differences in the cultural world. Some like it hot, some like it cold, some like it slimy, some three days old. Whatever your preferences are, we all must learn that we are one family and one people. We are God's creation. And we are God's creatures. And yes, white lives matter and Asian lives matter, but also black lives matter as well. Sadly, but truthfully, we have become so segmented in our thinking that we have lost unity in the religious world. There is so much division among us who call ourselves followers of Christ that in this nation that we call one nation under God, we have created the fastest growing group in this nation, and it is the unchurched. People are leaving the church because the church has segmented people to one group or another and not realizing that we are all a part of the family of God. At one time, the church had morals. Its leaders had morals. We elected individuals who at least we knew what the inside of the church looked like 
and we knew that the leaders of the church would come on the inside of the church and not stand on the outside of the church holding a Bible and never going in the church. The differences in the spiritual world are so pronounced that we cannot even agree even when calamity strikes because at one ecumenical meet meeting among religious leaders, a fire broke out and here is the reaction of the leaders. The Baptists cried, where is the water? The Quakers quietly praised God for the blessings that fire brings. The Lutherans posted a notice on the door declaring that fire was evil. The Roman Catholics passed the plate to cover the damage of the fire. The Jews posted symbols on the door hoping that the fire would pass. The Congregationalists shouted, every man for himself in this fire. The Fundamentalists proclaimed, it is the vengeance of God that has brought fire upon us. The Episcopalians formed a procession and marched out. The Christian scientists concluded that the fire would put itself out after a while. The Presbyterians appointed a chairperson who was to appoint a committee to look into the matter and submit a re written report about the fire. The Unity students proclaimed that the fire had no power over them. Some atheists in attendance didn't believe that there was a fire. The secretary grabbed the fire extinguisher and put the fire out. The Mormons, having arrived 15 minutes later, missed the fire completely. And sadly to report, most of the other religions didn't even show up to catch on fire. For the prophetic vision of God's future anticipates the day when God will reunite the divided kingdoms of Israel and Judah and bring back all the scattered exiles. For Jeremiah says in the 24th chapter in verse 7, and I will give them a heart to know me that I am the Lord and they shall be my people and I will be their God for they shall return unto me with their whole heart. You see, we are supposed to be one nation under God. But the longer that this world continues to exist, the more that we have as a people found reasons to be divided. Let's learn from history. For you see, God had true believers among the Jews who were carried into captivity by Babylon. Although the captivity was a catastrophic event, it could not stop the promises of God from being fulfilled. God was going to use the captivity to save his people. His promise to send the Messiah through the Jewish nation would be fulfilled. In fact, God was using the Babylonian captivity to accomplish his purposes and to fulfill his word. It is my firm belief that God has allowed the chaos and calamity that we see in the political world just so that we can stop looking to human leadership and to help us realize that true fairness and true honesty in government comes only from God. As God used the Babylonian captivity for the people's own good, he is allowing police brutality and the killing of innocent citizens to correct the discipline of his people. Through our sufferings, we have the opportunity to be driven back to God. 
It was our sin that forced God to execute discipline upon us. If he allowed us to continue in our wicked lifestyle, we would destroy ourselves and God sending the Messiah would be worthless. Thus, the deportation of God's people, the Jews and the Babylonian captivity were not just historical events, but rather God means of saving his people through discipline and correction. They would be saved as God has made provision for the Jews. He has made provision for us. For 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and four, verse 14 says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Here is a four-step process to the total restoration of the people of God. You see, all three sons were sons of Noah. There was not a white son and a black son and an Asian son. So we must develop a heart to know God. We must confess the Lord that we will be his people and that he is the only living and true God, the only Savior and Lord of the universe. Therefore, we must become his followers, part of his people who are called by his name and bear witness to his name. We must humble ourselves before the Lord. Number two, instead of rebelling against him and know that God is our God, we must love everybody. We must humble ourselves to obey his commandments and to live as God would have us live. Number three, we must pray and seek his face for forgiveness for we must also seek deliverance from the chastisement and the discipline of the oppressive judgment. God won't need to whip us as long as we are not being bad. Number four, we must repent and turn from our wicked ways and from our sinful behavior and turn back to the Lord, confessing and humbling ourselves and even crying and asking for forgiveness would not prove our sincerity and truthfulness, for sincerity and truthfulness would be proven only when we turn away from our sins. Thus, repentance is always necessary to receive the forgiveness and salvation of God. For too many of us have bought into the idea that we are righteous and holy and free from sin, but it is our sin that have brought on the wrath of God and to redeem ourselves from that wrath, God challenges us to turn from our wicked ways. One day, Queen Victoria visited a paper mill owned by one of her subjects, and the owner was happy to show her through the great plant, explaining in great detail the different processes of manufacture. During the journey through the factory, she was taken to a large room filled with rags. They were in bins, in bales, in huge piles on the floor. Some of them had been brought in by rag pickers and were filthy and dirty. These were being sorted and processed by the workmen. Do you make paper of these? The queen inquired. Yes, said the owner. 
Our best paper is made from rags. She seemed to be in deep thought, then revealed what had been going on through her mind. But how can these dirty rags ever be made into clean white paper? For we have washes, the guide explained, which remove all the dirt and the grime. We have a chemical process too, your majesty, by which every bit of color is removed from even these rags. A few days later, the queen was surprised to find on her desk a neatly wrapped parcel, which on opening she found contained some of the whitest, most beautiful papers she had ever seen. On each sheet were her name and a watermark of her likeness. There was also a note from the man who had shown her through the paper mill. Will the queen be pleased to accept the specimen of my paper with the assurance that every sheet was manufactured from the rags which she saw in the warehouse and on her recent visit to our plant? And I will trust that the result is such as 